up welcome to episode two of my new podcast all things music if you listen to episode one i really appreciate it it is currently on podbean and that's my hosting and spotify uh working on getting it on itunes for whatever reason they rejected the initial submission um but uh you know uh i'll keep trying anyways uh today uh i want to talk to someone i've known for a very long time uh, he uh, still is, but definitely used to be a big part of the the punk rock scene and, and the rock alternative, you know, the whole spiel, big spectrum of, of music. And uh, someone that I, when I came up with this podcast, I, you know, thought of having on here because the music knowledge that we could all learn from um, is definitely going to be apparent in this episode. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Ian Douglas. Hey, how's hey. it going? What's going on, man? Good it's to see you. A few. Let me knock the mic. Yeah. No, you're good. It's it has been a while. Um, we went to high school together, yeah. middle school. Uh, did you start at Revere? Yeah. Like from the beginning. Yeah, 1990, 1998. I moved to uh, ninety eight. Yeah, to that district. So we're just dating ourselves now because you know, I don't know. Do you consider us millennials? I don't. I I have a hard time considering us millennials because I feel like. A lot of things they do, we don't necessarily do, but right. at the same time, we do some of the, you know, I yeah. don't know. And I've it, never eaten a Tide Pod, but I like. <laughs> I feel like uh, maybe Millennials was like a, a label given to us by the generation, uh, uh, what would they be, pri- prior X, to us? I yeah. think, Gen X. Yeah, right. that's the whole thing. And I get it, you got to point the finger somewhere, but right. um, I don't know. I just don't, yeah. It's it's a stigma, I guess, more yeah. than anything else is is because you know there there's there's a lot of yeah, I don't know I don't want to offend too many people so <laughs> um, yeah so anyways a cool note um, you know I've been playing guitar for seven eighteen years now something mm-hmm. like that and uh, the first person I was ever ever able to jam with was uh, was you Ian I oh, remember yeah. going to your house uh, uh, well, I don't even remember where the Richfield maybe yeah. was and yeah, uh, we would go down to the basement I believe Corey Hill brought his bass over a couple oh, of times yeah. and we would play some Green Day and, yeah. and some stuff like that which was pretty cool and then yeah. you guys would play Hop Ivy and I was like what <laughs> <laughs> but, mixing uh, ska yeah with punk are you serious oh my god <laughs> what oh, are yeah. the odds so um, yeah uh, just tell me a little bit more about you know what you've got going on currently and uh, oh, like man. I said it's been so long since we talked so Feel free to, to open the floor oh. to, to what you're doing. Well, let's see. I just recently sold that bass amplifier that belonged to Corey Hill. So uh, <laughs> it didn't... Well, my brother bought it from Corey, and then I sold it uh, to my buddy Dave, who I was in a band with called Fever Child. Uh, and we kind of went on indefinite hiatus, as artists do, about, I don't know, five, four... It had been four years ago, three years ago. Um, and since then... Um, I've been living in Cleveland, I guess, for the past 10 years and been, you know, involved in the scene there. Um, most recently, I'm playing drums in Harvey Picar, uh, which is, I don't, to me, it's like Cleveland's hardcore act. Like when I when I was asked to join the band finally after a few auditions, um, it was like, whoa, I'm like 
part of this thing. Right. It's like, like this is pretty cool because, uh, you know, I would, I would listen to their tape on the way to my miserable factory job every <laughs> single day. I would like, you know, listen to that tape and drive way too fast down the shoreway, which is now 35 miles an hour, but it used to be 60. Um, and I would be going 80, just listening to this, this hardcore tape over and over. Um, so when I got to the audition, you know, I was able to, to play those tunes, like transferring it from the steering wheel to the actual, the actual drums was pretty cool. Um, and, uh, what else? I'm doing a lot of audio, like post work for documentaries. I recently had a, uh, documentary I worked on is in Cleveland International Film Festival. Very cool. Um, it's called Akron's Tent City. Um, the, it was directed by Kevin Naughton and, uh, produced by Pressure Life Magazine. Um, and I've known Kevin since, since I lived in Akron, uh, way back. I, I met him through uh, a guy who I was in a punk band with called the Riverburners um, a long time ago. And they, they had lived together. And every time I'd come to their house, it would just be like ashtrays overflowing. And um, uh, there was always like a guitar through uh, a giant tube television. Like huh. somebody had thrown right. a guitar through right. the TV. Wow. So I, it, we had met like in passing <laughs> once or twice, but recently we've been working together a lot and uh, cool. Kevin's a good friend of mine. And awesome. So, so uh, to back up here, cause I am curious about Harvey Picard, correct? Harvey Picard. Picard. Yeah. So I know the person, like I know who he was. Okay. I don't, I didn't know him, right. but why the name? I mean, you were in the band after, but, but yeah. what, what, is this an interesting name to name a, a group? You know, right? It, Especially a hardcore band because he was like a jazz critic. Yeah, right. he's he's a very you know regal, elegant type of guy, yeah. a poet as some called him. Right. And, uh, you know, hardcore, sure. Yeah. Poetry. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And he was very. I mean, he was. Uh, I think the reason that um, Elliot and Nick specifically named the band Harvey P. Carr, um, they're huge comic book guys. Like they love comic books um, a whole lot. And when Picar passed in, I believe it was 2010, yeah, um, they thought, like, you know, what a cool homage this would be um, to name a group this. Uh, so they did that, and then uh, they eventually were uh, Joyce, his, his um, wife, his uh, widow, um, called them somehow. Huh. And, uh, you know, it, was, it started out as a cease and desist, <clears throat> and through, through talking, uh, they were able to come to... In uh, agreement, and and Joyce gave them uh, her graces. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, one being the widow, and at you know, I don't know what age she was, but mm-hmm. uh, listening to that music might be like, oh, you know, this is insulting that that right. the band is named <laughs> right. that rather than a, a compliment, which it's meant to be a compliment, but right. but I, it's kind of lost in translation. So right. I could imagine she was. Uh, surprised to say the least but right. that's good that 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 came down to the agreement um one thing i want to clear up is you know since we have fans from all different genres of music right. hardcore means a lot of different things in a lot of different parts of Absolutely. the industry so explain what hardcore is in the scene that of course we both know but explain right. to the to the masses what that what that means so hardcore as a term has probably been used i don't know since since uh the 70s to describe um a lot of different things but it, it's mostly like i associate with like it, when you're not using it as like a genre thing is like being hardcore is being very like gung-ho on something or you know very um about something and and uh and uh dedicating yourself to a uh to an aesthetic and a lifestyle um specifically an alternative one i guess and uh so hardcore punk uh would be you know fast loud 
and um, aggressive and and educated, I'd say. Right. Um, some of it's not. Some of it's, you know, just brute, like, yeah. force and, uh, and, and, you know... They have like there's a genre literally called tough guy hardcore. You oh know that's uh, pretty. I mean, it's not my thing. I get it. Please don't beat me up. But oh, <laughs> like, and hey, you, you know, know what? There are probably bands in that that I probably enjoy because I, knowing me, I oh, just yeah. love brutal music. Yeah. So and I, I've seen you talk about some of them on yeah, Facebook. You, yeah. You you know who I'm talking. I about. do. I do. And, and we've been and we've even been label mates with some really rad like beat down bands and like right. I wouldn't I guess I wouldn't call them tough guy bands but um yeah that's what hardcore punk means to me and there's you know there's hardcore there's all kinds we you were talking on the last episode about hardcore uh edm, EDM. right and like that's awesome like there's it, it's a it's a great and two, i think couple that's, words I, to put together right yeah. and i think that you you hit on the thesis really well is hardcore is high energy so mm-hmm. you know you're not listening to ha- hardcore soft rock you know what right, i mean like right. it, it hardcore it's always meant yeah exactly it's always meant what what it sounds like it should mean right. in music or otherwise um, so you touched on alternative lifestyle, and I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. does that mean like straight edge? Because uh, that used to be a thing, and yeah. I don't know if that still is as much in that scene as as it was. Um, in Cleveland, not so much. Like that's kind of there. Was, there was a movement called Youth Crew, and and straight edge. Of course, a lot of people are familiar with Minor Threat and the straight edge movement, right. which is still prevalent on the East Coast. When we tour. Uh, we we do still meet people that are very much like uh, involved in that lifestyle or or however you want to put that. Um, we we don't subscribe to that. Uh, there's a we don't really subscribe to uh, many uh, different. We're kind of like I don't know. We're like sci-fi hardcore. Hey, that's cool, dude. Yeah, I we're mean, like kind of psychedelic. You know, and, yeah. and to clarify, straight edge means for those that don't know. No drugs, no alcohol, mm-hmm. and I believe some celibacy. Maybe? Yeah, no promiscuous sex. Yes. if I recall correctly. So you know, for some people, it might sound like what? What's the point of living? But others, you know, <laughs> it really, it really is a, a, a cleansing experience too. So you know, it's good to at least see um, that not everybody who is super energetic into music are druggies mm-hmm. and, and abusing things. Everything is good in moderation, as I like to say. But absolutely, uh, you know that's that, that's a, a really interesting. So, so the other thing that gets stigmatized in hardcore punk or hardcore metal, even, right, um, is the whole gang, uh, you know, history. There's, right. you know, I, and I, I, it escapes me now. I forget yeah. the names, but there, there has been times where there is a hardcore show. And in the middle of the hardcore show, there are gangs that show up that identify with the music. Right. Um, because, you know, as I identify with it, it gets out your anger, but they kind of take it to to, to an extra level. Oh, yeah. That, that I, you know, it's for me, it's more about symbolism. But right. um, explain what about that. Because I, I remember even at, at the Foundry in Lakewood a few years ago, there was an yeah. incident with a hardcore Yeah, show. there was a, a something of a battle in the streets, uh, right? I actually live in that neighborhood now. Um and uh, that's that's like a beautiful neighborhood. <laughs> it had absolutely nothing to do with that. So those, um, so that is something that is prevalent in Northeast Ohio. Um, not as much as it was in the two thousands, like the earlier mm-hmm. aughts or whatever we're calling them now. You know, millennials. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, there's in, in Northeast Ohio specifically, there's two there's two rival gangs that I'm aware of. I don't know much about it, but um, they associate themselves with different bands um, and uh, different towns. So they were, there were like, there was one from, uh, 
Toledo, I believe, and one from Youngstown or something. And like, that does not surprise me yeah, whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, so they were at like two. This is the story that I heard. This is like years ago, and uh, there was one band playing at one venue, which is a block over that. That whole ten block radius has like uh, ten music right. venues, right? And I know three of them: Fantasy, Foundry, and Symposium. Right. I don't know. Yeah, and then there's another one yeah. called the Chamber. Okay, that hosts a lot of hip hop shows. Um, the Foundry, which was the old Hi Fi, right. Um, now that's class is a block over in Cleveland, like right over the border. And, uh, but that specific night was now that's class in the foundry. And then, uh, something happened and some people got hit with baseball bats in the street. Yeah. And I think someone I got stabbed remember. too. It was, yeah. I think it there was, was, yeah, it was pretty gnarly. And you know, I'm thinking, I'm here thinking, okay, instead of saying, wow, these people need to behave themselves, which I should be saying, I'm like, the promoters made a mistake by, by not collaborating yeah. and booking the, the right. conflicting artists. Because, yeah. you know, at, at a certain point, and even in hip-hop, you got to know the culture and you got to understand right. the sensitivity of certain things. And I guess, um, oops, right. it's good nobody died. Everybody right. went home, which is great. Um, and let's not, you know, paint the genre with a bad brush here. It's a great genre of right. music. There are just little nuances to it that are really interesting and yeah. intriguing. And no, not everybody in a hardcore band is a gang member. Most aren't. <laughs> and no, not every hardcore fan is a gang member. I'm certainly not. Um, but uh, it, it's 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 very um, it's different than than treating most other genres, which is cool. Yeah. It has a lot of layers. But uh, so you've been drumming for a long time. Um, yeah. Now go through first. Go through this. A lot of people that are listening to this want to be musicians, and it's very hard to be a musician. It's oh, easier yeah. to, in 2019, but it is mm-hmm. somewhat more difficult than a lot of people expect. You can't just sit down, have a drum set, and immediately start you know, playing good songs. So right. you've been drumming for, what, 20, how many years? 20, what would it be? I guess it would be, I mean... Probably 20 years. I would say 20 years because I'm 28. I started when I was seven or eight. So. And drumming is, is honestly something that when you're a kid, mm-hmm. I want to play guitar, you know, because it makes, <laughs> yeah. not that it makes more noise, but it makes more interesting noise, right. Right? right? So what got you started drumming and what can you, advice you can give to people who want to start drumming? Oh man, that's tough. Um, so my, my father was a drummer. Still, he still is. He still goes out and plays gigs. Um, not every weekend like he did, um, you know, like when I was a kid, but he still goes out a couple times a month and plays. And um, so there was always these, these, you know, to me, what were toys sitting around, which were more like vintage Ludwig drum sets Whoops. that were, yeah, <laughs> worth a lot more than toys are. And uh, those were like readily available to me. Mm-hmm. And he would let me bang on them as much as I wanted. Um, and I couldn't exactly reach the, the kick drum at that age, but... Uh, you know, I was curious as to like, how do these things work? Cause like, as, as far as I was concerned, my, my father was this like mad scientist that was like bringing in these pieces of garbage and then making them into like, cause he's refurbishing drums too. Of right? course. And that, by the way, is a father of the year moment. If you're a parent and I'm about <laughs> to be one, if you're a parent, Whoa. let your kids play your instruments. Now, not to say that let them do it unsupervised or just let them go gung-ho, but that's how they discover, you know, and, and it turns into someone who does it as a career. So it's a it's really good. I know a lot of people are like, don't touch my... If you right. put my, your... What was the stepbrother's quote? If you put your balls on my drum set, I'll stab you in the neck with a knife or <laughs> yes. something like that. Yeah, that yeah. was a good... So, that's uh, one of my favorites. Yeah, just... Uh, yeah, it's really good to spawn that creativity. But continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, that's fine. It's... um, Which it actually reminded me. I now... I get the opportunity now to tour 
with that I tour with that drum set. I don't know if it's the best idea in the world to do it, but it's the uh, drum set my dad was playing Is the night he met my mom. So <laughs> that's uh, I, I'm pretty sure I'd have to talk to him because yeah. it's like it's just, more his. Just never get crazy talk. and wreck your rig. I see no, bands sometimes yeah. that do them like. Yeah, that's like our stuff is pretty big, so we don't we can't really topple it too easily. But (laughs) there's been some nights where it's crazy enough. Right. Um, So from, you know, so the I I learned these few beats just uh, screwing around listening to the Beatles. And uh, then I lost interest for a second. I found Kiss and I wanted to play bass and be Gene Simmons, (laughs) which was a st- that's not the way to go. No, I, not, would, I, would I mean, so. be a bassist. Don't be Gene Simmons. Correct. So don't turn yourself into that. Nah, you don't want to be like that. No. <laughs> and um, so I um, uh, continued, uh, you know, playing. And then by the time, like, by the time we were in middle school or so, and, uh, you know, there was a guy, Max, you you remember Max? Max actually, Reven? Max Reven, yes, yeah, who's well. in the pupils of Groove now. So okay. give that a plug. Um Max was this like, as far as I was concerned, like a rock god. Oh my god! You gosh. know, and we could have this That's like, let's, let's jam, you know, right. or whatever. And he'd always say that. And I'm like, okay, we can jam. And uh, that those, and then playing with you and with Corey mm-hmm. were like, those were my first experiences playing with other people and like creating this thing. And you could create this like, almost tangible um, thing with just like your friends in right. in a basement. And that was like the beginning of my like, you know, learning about the DIY ethos and like being able, like we can just make records like we can do those like we can make the sounds that like and this know, is Weezer before spotify doing. and oh, soundcloud yeah. and all that stuff so yeah. we weren't making it necessarily for others but it was right. more just going and you know when you play drums or guitar by yourself it's one thing but then when you and you can even play to an electronic beat right. but when you're when you're doing it live there's just something that's such a natural high and i'm, I'm sure you can attest to this that that is just uh unreplicable in, right. in reality so yeah it's yeah. really cool to do that yeah and sometimes man when you like lock in with a few people like i just find myself like smiling it's like what am i smiling about and it's like oh this is just a really beautiful moment you right. know and um so but like i guess getting back to the to the point like if you want to do mm-hmm. that um you know it's a matter of uh like the the passion has to be there first i think willingness is is a big thing mm-hmm. um because like you know, if you don't like some people want to do th- some things as uh, uh, just because, um, you know, it looks cool. Right. Playing the drums is cool, you yeah. know. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah. And, and some days I forget that. Yeah. Some days it's like, why am I still here? <laughs> why am I still doing this? I have to remember, like, playing the drums is fun and it's really cool and I love it. Um, so but that initial willingness and like um, just fascination, mm-hmm. uh, if you have that fascination, it's definitely something you should follow because there's a reason that that fascination is there. Right. Um, and if you love music the way that Ryan and I love music, I think you should um, pursue that and you know not let anything get in the way of that. Absolutely. You know? And I think my issue, I, I really, I wanted to play drums too. I wanted to try everything, but my issue was multitasking. Mm. For whatever reason, I can't move my foot a different tempo than i move my arms and that has translated to me i can <laughs> sing and i can i can play guitar and i can't do both because right if i start to play guitar a certain rhythm my my singing is gonna be or the other way yeah. around so that is probably i it, at least in my view probably one of the biggest challenges for beginners is is learning how to you know differentiate yeah. different uh parts of your drum set and where wh- how they should be played yeah and i think like breaking down those those barriers that are like uh you know, it's a lot of, there is a lot of like neuroplasticity and you'll be able to like, 
if you continue to um to play a percussion instrument you will eventually develop the neuroplasticity to to do those things and like I wish I could describe how that feels when you break through one of those right. walls and then you can just do this thing that you weren't able to do before is a pretty miraculous thing. I mean, it happens with guitar too mm-hmm. because I started, you know, playing guitar when I was, I don't remember, 14 or something. I started playing sublime covers right. on guitar and then eventually, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm trying to play guitar in a band at some point here, um, which is funny. That's like the thing that I want to do mm-hmm. and that's what you're doing right, right. now. Um, so I definitely want to like, I don't know if I want to like front a band, but I definitely want to play some rhythm guitar. And sing, yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun, and and yeah. you know, if I could play drums, I'd probably want to do that. It's never too. too late. It is never too late. There's some room down here. You there can set up. There is room yeah. down here. Thank you. I I don't know how much my wife would appreciate a drum set here, especially uh, that I'm having a newborn <laughs> baby in August. So that yeah, would be uh, maybe maybe it's it's not too late, but now is not the exact right time. Right, right. Maybe, maybe an electronic drum that's set right. later. I actually on. did buy my uh, nephew a drum set. Almost as a revenge play yes, on my in-laws, it's and a good one. it didn't work because he he played it for like a couple weeks and then he didn't touch yeah. it. So maybe <sighs> when he gets a little older, he's yeah. five, you know. Oh yeah, you gotta give him a few years. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to dive into one of the things I like to do on this podcast is dive into genres, where they are, where they've been, and where they're going. Oh, um, cool. So you know. I'm going to be kind of general here and uh-huh. then we can dive into a little bit more of the niches of each one, but punk in general, you know, late eighties, very big, even mid eighties, you know, clash yeah. and, and all those guys and right. sex pistols and all that. But it seems like it, you know, punk has always been a outlet for current events, you know, kind of rebellion against yeah. the current events. Absolutely. And it seems that, you know, it was very much that way, and popular in that way in the 90s and early 2000s, and then something happened that fell off, at least in the mainstream. Punk's never yeah. been dead. It's just, you know, used to, no effects, less than Jake, those guys were mainstream, real big oh, fish. Yeah. All, it was, you know, mainstream type of music. Right. And now, you can't turn on the radio and hear a punk band, for whatever reason. Yeah. And I, I, can't, I can't really figure out why that is, especially in this time period where we are more divided than ever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, pull... Po- you know, politics is just in the spotlight everywhere. We oh go. yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I don't, I don't really know why. Maybe you can enlighten me maybe on figuring out why that is. I wish I could because, um, you know, the night of the election, I was, uh, I was with my friend, um, Jared and I'll never forget this. I was with my friend Jared who he's, uh, he's from Mexico. He's first generation Mexican. And I was like, uh, man, this is like, this is crazy or mm-hmm. whatever. And he's like, this is crazy, but this is really important. Like your job just became sacred. And right. I was like, what does that even mean, man? And he's like, you're, you're a punk musician in, in era of political, you know, chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and things are going the very wrong way. You're, and he's, he, uh, used a Robin Hood analogy where he's like the, uh, who is the, the, um, Oh man, I'm not good at Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, neither am I, right? But it's his favorite movie and he's okay. like but uh so like when the I guess there was like a the the singing whatever character was okay. the singing yeah. um the musician character went into the woods the times became like dark um for a period of time or whatever but then upon like the darkest times the the musician came back and uh you know made things okay. like I don't know, at least tolerable Yeah, no. uh, for a while. I like that. Um, and I wish I could say it as eloquent as he said it, but it's escaping me now. But um, I think what happened, I can attest to the fact that, like, I think 
um, through the Obama administration, at least, like, things were much more lighthearted for a while, yeah. you know? I think, like, I was listening to a lot of pop punk, you know? <laughs> and I was, like, drinking PBR in Florida, yeah. and I was pretty, I fairly carefree um, for a long time. Makes sense for Florida. That's a happy place. Yeah, it was yeah, okay, it. you know? And they would have this big <laughs> festival. Um, but, like, as of right now, I think it's coming back around to a point where, like, you know, people are going to be um, angry enough and, uh, you know, hurt enough and serious enough to eventually uh, have punk rock come back into the mainstream i think I and so. we're also coming around to that 20 year period where like the nostalgia will be em- enough because like even with the warp tour you know the right la- the last year i use quotes you never know but um and they you know besides the cleveland date which was just sorry kevin terrible um <laughs> the other dates you know they did a pretty good job on that billing putting a lot of modern guys and a lot of a lot of the guys who were popular as we're talking about right. back in the limelight and hopefully because I know a lot of a lot of Warped Tour fans. When I went uh, last year, I've been the last two years. Man, they're young. You know? Oh yeah. And 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 I'm like, wow. I, I kind of feel weird being it, and it's okay. But yeah. you know, when I usually go to metal shows, they're people are usually my age or older than me. So I was like, you know, it's a it's a good thing they're young, um, and it's a good outlet. And this is why I was so sad that it's going away, is because it's a good outlet for those young people to learn about what punk was when we right. were their age and. It, yeah, it, yeah, it's 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 sad, but uh, I really hope you're right that it that it comes back in popularity. Yeah. And I think trying to explain that too is like very difficult because even it was dying when you know when you and I were teenagers, it was tough. Like you'd go to a show some nights, and there's like, you know, it wasn't like like Black Flag in the '80s right. or like you know the MC5 in Detroit and all that stuff where like you would post flyers on telephone poles and 300. There was even like, dude, Nine Shocks Terror in Cleveland was one of the biggest hardcore bands like around that era i mean in the underground at least and they would just like you you would staple these flyers to a telephone pole someone would call a number and like you'd have 350 kids show up lighting fireworks off in a gymnasium somewhere you know Mm -hmm. and like that just um for some reason like i don't know if it's apathy or um or I wonder if it's a digital age, because we were talking yeah, about that in my last podcast. Age. I just really think that's making everybody really lazy, and it's not the fault of them as much as it's the fault of convenience, you know? Right. It's, there's no real grassroots movement to go see musicians all the time anymore, you know? It's only right. see who's popular, see who's trendy, is my friend going, yada yada, right. you know? Coachella! Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I I I'm one of the few people I I really enjoy going to concerts by myself. If I can't find yeah. anybody to go and I want to see the music, I'm still gonna go. And I wish that was more of a thing. But, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, so hopefully that the um the aura of what social media is because it's still fairly new. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it fades a little bit and people start to get back to what is naturally what naturally feels good. You know, right. So I I hope that happens. Um, so one of the other things I wanted to to mentioned was there is a balance and it doesn't matter your genre this could be anything but there has to be a balance or an appropriation or however you want to word it between using politics and music and not using politics and music right punk is very much a political genre and there are less guidelines than other genres but you also have to make sure you're not alienating a fan base or uh, it's not necessarily saying something wrong because it's not. There's nothing right or wrong. It's just your opinion. But just how you say it musically, where right. it's going to make sense and not turn somebody off, even somebody who does believe in the same things that you right. and me do. Um, so how do you go about, especially in the songwriting process, figuring out what to say, how to say it, yeah, and why really? Right. Um. 
so I think with ours and and I don't um I don't write the lyrics uh Nick does but uh you know with um Harvey Pekar as as a theme um has always been you know I feel like well at least for the past two records the Astral We and the, the uh, we're releasing Paris Green in May um there's been uh, a of theme running through both that is uh mostly like you know science fiction themes and like thinking at least this this is just me um uh projecting here but like uh it's um you know our it's our observation of the human condition um via another a different perspective okay. from looking from it through a so different kind of like a dystopian type of thing where, yeah you know and i totally understand that i'm a huge tv and film sci-fi fan like crazy so anything yeah that sci-fi i just gravitate to um and it's funny because you mentioned that because we we watch sci-fi films now mm-hmm. and we're almost like wow that 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 could actually happen or right. oh wow that's happening exactly you know? when we were kids watching it we're like oh this is cool this maybe could happen someday yeah so it's it's interesting that you say that, and it's probably a good thing because I always yeah. find sci-fi as a heat, a warning. You know, right? We we want to not take it too lightly because most cases it could happen. So it's almost like your music is a warning. Yeah. For people, let's you know, let's yeah. let's turn this around instead of turning into what you know greats like Steven Spielberg and and right. James Cameron were writing about. Yeah, know? and that's what I would. I mean, that's that's at least how I. Um, take our lyrics i mean and and i hope that's not doing a disservice to like you know nick's poetry because nick is one of my favorite poets um but that's not to say that we won't and that that we won't um you know say what we believe um you know i think as a band i i you know we um all four of us believe a lot of the same things mm-hmm. and we have the same morals and we have the um very similar values um there's not much we disagree on um in terms of those things and you need that you in know? a band it has to be a cohesive i think know, so piece yeah of music so yeah you don't want to write something and then someone is like yeah i don't agree with this because if they don't agree with it it's disingenuous it's exactly they're kind of half-assed right. they're not going to actually care about playing it the way that you or me or anybody wants them to play it so um, that's really interesting. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention because I'm kind of new to the beat down or the, the, really mm-hmm. the metal hardcore type of yeah. genre. I'm kind of new to that stuff too. Yeah, so. It's it's great. But, um, I, I, you know, I love it. Like knocked loose, Kublai Khan, the guys that I'm touch sharp tooth, uh, you know, oh, sharp tooth is great. Yeah. Sharp tooth. Awesome. I've seen a few times. Um, how do you, from a genre standpoint, differentiate bands like that? With just metal, because it's so many of the same elements. Right. Um, when I heard Knocked Loose, before I knew what Beatdown was or anything like that, I'm just like, oh, this is a cool metal band. I yeah. wasn't thinking, oh, this is a punk band. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, right. it's really interesting. And I, I, I want to be clear here so that a lot of people who listen to this mm-hmm. like metal, uh, how to really put one in one category and one in the other. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question and i want to make so many jokes about it because there's a lot of like cool i mean have you have you read the hard times no so the hard times is like the onion but for like punk rock oh yeah i've seen it on on social media yeah before, yeah right? and it's it's just hysterical it's one of my favorites but um 
to like actually like trying to accurately answer the question. So we were label mates with Knocked Loose briefly. Right. This was uh, when they were on Little Heart Records okay. uh, around the same time that we were um, on Little Heart Records. And uh, so I would say like Knocked Loose is very much to me, they're a beat down band. They're very drop tuning mm-hmm. uh, seven you know, strings the yeah. whole thing is a breakdown right yeah, yeah everything yeah. it's very sludgy and right. gnarly and that's awesome mm-hmm. and that's that's like you know i would i love watching those shows like there was a band cruel hand used to play you know beat down hardcore okay. and i would watch any of those shows i don't want to get punched in the face so i don't get in the pit because yeah I'm no not, crowd killers right yeah crowd <laughs> killing is a very serious issue yeah. uh not as much in cleveland as like you know Thank pittsburgh God. that happened yeah. one time and Ugh. they knocked some of my gear over and oh it wasn't no cool. yeah but i still didn't want to get punched in the face so yeah. i just cleaned up and yep. <laughs> moved on smart move but um <laughs> the, i think the thing that differentiates metal from say like the heaviest hardcore um is I guess just identity, whatever somebody like whatever a group chooses to identify themselves as is is uh, is what they are. And I think that's interesting that you say that, because I was almost going in a different direction when you said identity. I can wear uh, I have have an impeach 45 shirt. People, it's not a secret. I don't like Donald Trump. You know, Good. <laughs> so if you're listening, Donald, resign, dick. <laughs> Anyways, um, I have a shirt. It's in Peach 45, you know, and it, it's it's a cool shirt. It looks like a jersey, whatever. I wore it to Warp Tour. I wore it to some some hardcore punk yeah. shows, and nobody says a thing. Yeah. You wear it to a metal show. You kind of have some different uh, yeah. demographics. So I think that is part of a differentiation too. At whatever yeah. reason. Uh, conservative people might not like hardcore yeah. punk, but they like metal. It, it seems, you know, yeah. trivial, but it seems to be the case. Right. Too. Yeah, that's interesting, I think, because, you know, I guess I have always thought of punk is pretty inherently left-leaning yes. um, music um, because it's it's radical um, and it's, um, you know, questioning a, a lot of uh, societal norms and, um, and especially, like, in America, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and... But, like, think about, like, Norwegian black metal, like, happened. <laughs> I'm not to get, like, totally no, go in no, a different no, no. direction, you're, you're but, like, uh, the reason that Norwegian black metal happened is because those kids lived in, like, a utopian socialist society where the only thing they could rebel against was the church, the ch- Christian church. Right. So they would burn churches mm-hmm. because that's what it is. So, yeah. like, you know, if, 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 if American kids didn't have, um, you know, our nine you know well or like right now are three foreign wars mm-hmm. uh they're still going on to talk about right or like you know uh i could go on and on about like a million different things but like uh um you know if we didn't talk have like sexism to to talk about and an- like to analyze these problems and bring them to to the to the front like we'd probably burn churches too probably you know uh because that's what youth is yeah. is is rebellion and i think that's like why I, I think punk gives that a voice and I mm-hmm. think metal gives that a and voice. And what's super interesting about this is the same and I'm not a Democrat or Republican, I'll say that all the time. But what what is really interesting about music as it relates to politics and the, the older conservatives that listen to metal but not beat down and stuff. Right. Those are the same guys who when they were growing up listened to uh, you know, Shania probably Twain. still Nash and Young. Oh, or, or, I thought we were gonna say Jinx. Uh, <laughs> I said Shania Twain. Yeah, Shania Twain. <laughs> no, actually, I had her uh, album or not album. Yeah, I had her her CD and my Walkman yeah. all the time, and uh, my dad would always look at it and be, look at the the booklet, and be like, "Wow, she's super hot." I'm like eight years old. I'm like, <laughs> I just like her music. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it, back when they were our age, they listened to music that maybe it wasn't as extreme, but it had the same messages. Yeah. You know, whether it was the war in Vietnam or mm-hmm. or other things going on in the seventies right. and eighties, and then they turn around at us and say that we shouldn't play pol- have politics and music just play. You know, just right. like the LeBron thing, just dribble type of thing. You yeah. know, it's it's it seems really hypocritical, and I hope that we're not older and going to do the same thing and i hope that we remember these moments so that we don't do the right. same thing um it's okay to have an opinion and yeah. music is probably the most harmless way of delivering that opinion you know i i, I don't yeah. i don't think that uh people are going to you know get in fist fights yeah. because a song it's happened i guess they've but, hit each other with bats outside of the foundry yes exactly so well, that was I mean, over it's, something it's happened and actually it's it, it, it brings me i was watching uh you know the band fever 333 it sounds familiar yeah they're uh kind of like a rage against machine reincarnate oh it, nice it's not a bad thing they're pretty good yeah, they're yeah. very political cool um they did a song about gun control yeah and uh i was at rock on the range it's now sonic temple but i was at rock on the range last year and there was a bunch of these guys that were, you know, rowdy, but they're really enjoying the band for like mm-hmm. four or five songs. And then he went and played the, he said, he said his little spiel at the beginning about gun control. And the guy turns around and says, man, I was really enjoying this set until they started yeah. uh, preaching to me. I don't need preach to, I spent my hard earned money. <laughs> and I just like, That's man, funny. I, it take me so much willpower to yeah. not say something. It's just right. You know, so what if that's what they believe? Enjoy the music. Right. That's what it's there yeah. for to or enjoy. Or give them a so. chance to say what they have to say because exactly. it is their platform. Exactly. It, it is their job. And by the way, that same day, it, w- w- it was one of the mass shootings, but uh, he's like, well, there was just a mass shooting and mm-hmm. I want to talk about this. That's not inappropriate. No, not if at anything, all. That's that, pertinent. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely. Yeah. So um, just found that really interesting. Uh, one of also mentioned, you told me about this band lottery that you are involved oh yeah in. the lottery league. yeah, I yeah tell me about that because i i have no clue what yeah. that is and it sounds really cool um so the uh the lottery league i'm sorry i'm still thinking about this morrissey show that i was at <laughs> where he uh was playing uh he started playing meet his murder okay and uh showing videos of uh animals being slaughtered and all these people started leaving oh my god and i was like come on dude just like what you paid a hundred dollars for don't this you ticket, well, don't you like, want to know how your your hamburger is prepared right you know? yeah i'd be like, like hmm, and that's interesting like but that's me anyways that's so that's totally uh <laughs> yeah, no i that's, get it um yeah that's that's ian's opinion not necessarily reflecting this podcast does not reflect the opinions yes. of ian douglas <laughs> yes and also i don't agree with Anything else Morrissey says, by the way. Okay. Well, almost anything else Morrissey says. I want to make that clear. Okay, <laughs> so the Cleveland lot that was totally off topic. No, I'm sorry. that's fine. Um, the Cleveland Lottery League is um, a group. Of, I think it's like these these few guys, probably two or three guys. Okay. They organize 140 musicians or so. Wow. Every three years, so it's almost like an Olympics kind of deal. Wow. Um, and it's based on a sports draft, so they'll take. All these people, and then they draft them into uh, 30 to, like, 35 bands or whatever. Okay. And Cleveland's a small town when right. it comes to music. There's probably 2,000 2, people who come to see live music, um, like live local music. Right, of course. It, um, and there's probably, um, I don't know, 1,000 musicians, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, so the ratio's those, a little bit... Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. so if you had that many people at the show, like it's safe to say that a third of the people are in the band, Yep. you know, um, which is sick. And that's not how it is in 
Austin and Los Angeles and, and New York right? most of the time. So um, what they do is they draft these people into bands, and it has to be with somebody you've never played with before, you've never played in a room with before, Interesting. which is hard to do in Cleveland. Of course. Um, and this is all genres? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. So wow. you're not assigned anything but the people you're going to be in a room with and wow. and kind of what instrument you're going to play, but nobody – sometimes they people – They need to film this. Oh, because I, I that would, is a brilliant idea. It is. I would watch this all day. It seems like yeah. a really cool, like MTV when they started not playing music and started yeah. doing reality shows before they became like Laguna Beach BS. Yeah, it was always like uh, Battle for Ozfest yeah. or these other making things, the band, making the band yeah. and all that. Where it was so much fun to see the, you know, not necessarily drama, but just the the camaraderie between all the band members. Yeah, right. They, they need definitely need to do that because I would yeah. watch. Yeah, that's sure. a really <laughs> great idea. I should talk to some people about that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm really excited to be a part of it. Um. I wasn't sure if our tour schedule would allow for it because there's the big show is June 8th. They call it the big show. Okay. And uh, they'll have three stages in a warehouse that'll feature all the bands. It's sponsored by like. So Sierra June 8th Nevada is the same and, date as that Cleveland Warp tour. Oh. So I'd rather much rather go to this than the the Cleveland Warp Tour yeah. thing, unless you want to go see Simple Plan. Woo-hoo. Yeah, woohoo! Hey, what, take off your what was it? No, wait, oh, I'm no, not going to say that, that out loud. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, well, you, you can start uh, on here, but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. What that, was their record? I, uh, I don't something about like no pads, no helmet. Oh, I don't know. I just remember just how whiny a kid. they Life all is a nightmare. And, you know, and I saw I even saw uh, Hawthorne Heights at Warped uh, 2017. I yeah. think. And, so cringy, man. I yeah. Know, what if people like what they like, but yeah, uh, it's not up my alley. Yeah. But, you know. If so, you wanna... anyways, continue. Um. God, I did love that record though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was it? Oh yeah. So the Cleveland Lottery League. Uh, I'm honored to be a part of it. I don't know who I'm playing with yet. I don't know what it's going to be, so cool. but like definitely look up like Queen of Hell was a uh, lottery okay. league band. Uh, Hiram Maxim was a lottery league. Band what does that, the? Because uh, you said this has been done before. Yeah. Is there a concentration of the final product that is certain that ends up just being certain genres because it's kind of a, a mix of everybody and it ends up being kind of like a like a compromise or oh, I, do they still get to extremes every now and then in in the I think they get to extremes because okay. like Queen of Hell I think is and I don't want to like make an assumption because I haven't listened to that much. like I've seen videos of them but haven't right. listened to all of their stuff but they're definitely like a metal band okay um and Hiram Maxim is a cacophony of uh, just, like, hardcore and noise and, like, hmm. um, like hard noise so music. You and know, like, when they say lottery, it's that's like you're winning the lottery because you've paired up. If you're right. a hardcore punk person or a metal person and you're paired up with a jam band guy, yeah. it might be a little more difficult to collaborate. You yeah. know? So I've it, done that before. It, it, it works. People, yeah. there, there are influences, and actually... That's, well, it works for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it makes something unique, which is cool. Yeah. Um, do these bands, when they're done with this, do they continue and take off and, and become a, a career of it? Or um, is it just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll see in yeah. two years? I think so... After the big show on June 8th, you mm-hmm. have absolutely no obligation to any of the people anymore. So okay. that leaves it totally open-ended. So like Hiram Maxim has gone on to, you know, they signed to Aqualam Records. Wow. And I want to get into John Panza in a second, who's the drummer of the, that okay. band as well. Um, and uh, um, Queen of Hell has gone on. I don't know if they're signed or whatever, but there's been a few Lottery League bands that hmm. have continued wow. to play. I think there was one called The Gods that was pretty, or The Sun Gods. It's gonna drive me crazy, but they were, they were like. A thing. I mean, I just can't even imagine that story. Let's say that band gets so big that they become mainstream. And it's like, hey, we started 
as an accident. Right. You know? That's a great bio. That would be you know? an awesome bio. And yeah. I, and now I I kind of want to join. You know, I'm doing my my band pretty seriously, but um, that that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, what what does it entail joining? Do you have to qualify in a certain way? Do you have to pay a certain amount? Is it like what, yeah. what is involved in that? So you have to be referred by a former member of the Lottery League. Hmm, okay. So there's like 140 original members from 2008. Some of them don't do it anymore, whatever. Um, but if they were in it and they think you can be a part of it, they can refer you. And you can either ask for a referral. I was lucky this year. I was like offered a referral i totally forgot the lottery league was happening because <laughs> uh, i don't like keep that on my calendar right. though i should um and i was referred uh by a good friend um john panza who also has um the uh panza foundation okay. which is a huge huge deal in cleveland they um what they do is they scout acts local acts and their big thing is like musicians don't know how to ask for help. No. So we give them help whether they want it or yes. not. You know? We are all a very bunch of stubborn people. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. We are stubborn artists who think we can do everything ourselves and yep. never ask for help. Yep. And this year, John Panza offered Harvey Picar um, a sponsorship and we are extremely excited about it. That's really um, cool. So that was another thing I did want to mention John because John is like just a like great dude in the Cleveland yeah. in the Cleveland scene and just great cool guy cool drum collector and um yeah cool yeah. that's awesome so um nearing the end here I want to ask some uh just you know impromptu questions that might spark something what you know you've been playing live for so long what's mm-hmm. what are some of the craziest things you've seen in a crowd as a oh, drummer God. you're constantly you know whether you're on a riser or whatever yeah you're in the center so you're you got a whole you don't get the tunnel vision as yeah. much as the other guys you got the whole panoramic view yeah so i'm sure you've seen some things before. God, i'm i can think of a few i saw a few weird things in new hampshire a couple different times but i saw new one to get thrown over a table uh but i don't think i was behind the drum set when it happened uh but yeah, somebody got thrown over a table in New Hampshire, and there's wow. always like hard mosh guy yeah. who, who's like out there in the three hundred pounds. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think like the the coolest stages I've been on have enough lights that I can't see anybody. Now that makes sense. Yeah, which so. is sometimes better. Honestly, as much as as much as we like to be tough musicians, right? We all will still get stage fright. Every oh now God, and then. yeah. And when they put the, yeah. the 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 lights on you, so you can't see anybody, it's like you're playing in your room. So oh yeah, definitely helps. That's the uh, best way. Yeah. Because I'm thinking about there's been times where I'm playing in basements to like, you know, five or ten people, and those are the most terrifying moments because it's like <laughs> and it's like there's no room for error at exactly. that point because everybody knows. When, when I used to DJ too, it was interesting. Uh, you would think the the bigger the crowd, but. There are so many people that things get muddled. People are there socially or whatever, and, right. and they don't necessarily hear a, a screw up. But like you say, when you got five, ten people in a room, yeah, they're not doing anything else but looking at you, right? You know, so yeah, yeah you kind of have to uh, be a little bit uh, of a micromanager, yeah. uh, to your to your instrument, which is really interesting. But uh, that's cool. What are some of your favorite? Because I know you've been around all mm-hmm. kinds of different cities. Some of your favorite cities, some of your favorite venues that you've liked oh, to play, and then also, question. what are some of the more unfortunate? Uh, you know, experiences as far as whether it's yeah. the green room was like a closet or, you know, the bathroom was just a hole in the yeah. ground. You know what I mean? So yeah. what are some of those things? Like? So 
I definitely want, speaking of green rooms, Kalamazoo, Michigan is the only place in the country as a DIY act that you're getting a green room. And it, they are awesome. <laughs> and it is like, there's free towels. Wow. And so we, we got to play the Bell's Brewery once and they had like free towels. I'd be coming was, back there all the time. Yeah, on the it was, it's exciting. Right. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think of like other joints that were, that were cool like that. Um, but like Philadelphia is my favorite place to play. Okay. It's always an awesome show. We have a good friend out there, Ruben, who is uh, jokingly referred to as the mayor of Philadelphia <laughs> by at least everybody in Cleveland who plays there. Um, he, t- he seems to know everybody, and he he books the coolest shows, and he's mm-hmm. in some cool bands. Um, yeah, Philly is always great, um, and because everybody there is just like receptive um to what you're doing and they come out just because art is happening there doesn't need to be like a reason right. and they a lot of people come out they're like man i usually listen to insert band here but i'm glad i was here you guys are great mm-hmm. um and uh new hampshire's a weird state man like this seems, seems so random yeah i had never been there before so and we close get, like, to canada i don't yeah. know that doesn't make any yeah. sense but that's interesting it's a weird one but i'm trying to think of like weirder places this year i got to go to like the actual midwest for the first time i mean this past year was in the, our 2018 summer tour and like cleveland is east coast man like yeah. there's like once you get to omaha and oh, like yeah. uh, plain states and all yeah that. manhattan oh, yeah. kansas Oof. uh yeah we did we went to the wrong house in manhattan kansas once uh that was kind of weird um we got lucky we didn't like knock on the door but we oh, got God. to play it this dude's house and it, it was really really awesome he That's had a cool. whole venue like little tiny venue set up and his basement was about the size of this wow and um that was a really sweet night um i'm trying to think of, like the craziest things that have ever happened somebody tried to get in our van in boston one time that doesn't surprise me yeah. you always hear about that yeah he like punched our window uh harm's way they're a, a beat oh yeah yeah harm's got, way has had all kinds of crazy stuff they just that. recently got their entire van uh was um stolen was vandalized and stolen oh, and in st louis uh i don't know what city okay. it was in but they put out a gofundme and they ended yeah. up being able to get all their stuff yeah back. but good for wow. them yeah, yeah. that's just something uh lock your doors and even if you lock your doors yeah. it's you know it's not ever guaranteed yeah so the trick is you got to pull the like if you close the back of your door pull the actual lock tab out of the back door so you can mm-hmm. only unlock it and lock it with a key oh. well that's just one we learn something every day yeah that's <laughs> one way and then um but yeah you got to be careful and keep your head on a swivel when you're traveling because like you know there's sick people everywhere mm-hmm. and like especially when you're traveling with like lots of beautiful gear um that's worth a lot of money and that you love a whole lot you know especially vintage gear that your your dad had yes you you watch that with three eyes right the drum set that i wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for exactly exactly yeah um and that's that's actually a good topic to end this on is uh you know a lot of musicians don't really realize what a tour entails Mm -hmm. it's you know it's not like the movies where it's just honeys and booze and and all the good i mean that's all there keep in mind that's all there but Mm -hmm. it's not always that microcosm of it's just fun all the time it's boring it's dirty absolutely it's uh sometimes you get in fights with band members let's be honest you're 30 30 nights in 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 30 shows and 30 nights or something like that with the same five people in close 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 quarters yeah they're even sleeping together Maybe they're yeah. whacking off next to you. And you're <laughs> not appreciative. There's all kinds of things. I've that never happen. had that happen. <laughs> but I've heard stories blessed. from other people. Yeah, 
But uh, something you know, about McDonald's apple pies. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's uh, you have to be prepared from a standpoint that going into it, knowing what to expect, and you can yeah. touch on that a little bit because. Um, I don't know if you've had a rude awakening before or if you kind of were ready for it or, or what. Um, I don't think I was prepared for a lot of the rude awakenings I've happened because it is easy uh, for dudes like us to like romanticize mm-hmm. the idea of especially like, a, like, you know, a DIY tour or like any of that stuff. I mean, yeah, we're we not talking like, tour buses with no. with, you know, five cots and. And right. the, the shower and all. We're talking about like a, a you know, a, a, a club pedivan. wagon. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about a club wagon. Right. Like, I was talking to this high school class a couple months. No, it was like a, last year sometime. And I'm talking to this high school class and this kid raises his hand. He's like, what's it like to go on a tour, like a real tour? <laughs> and I was like, let me ask you a question. You ever mix ramen noodles, peanut butter and beans together <laughs> and then eat it? <laughs> and, he's like, and this kid looked at me just terrified with these like wide teenage eyes. And he was like, no, sir. And I was like, yeah, that's right. You haven't. That's hilarious. uh, You know, and because it's like when I was especially like 17, 18, and I'm watching these videos, these Mm -hmm. dudes in vans and Blink-182 is throwing like lunch meat against the wall and laughing (laughs) and like smoking cigarettes and stuff like that was what, you know, what you think everything's going to be. Um, And yes, wild shit happens. And, uh, you know, you meet crazy people and you sleep on crazy floors and you wake up to crazy things and you see stuff that you wouldn't see anywhere else. Um, And it's a cool way to travel. But you're really, you know, you're in most towns for 10 to 12 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, You load in and you play your heart out for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. You go to sleep on either a yoga mat or God, if you're if you're like me and you're lucky you bring an air mattress and you oh, pray that the cats don't pop move. it at night yeah yes, yes. and um yeah because i'm physically exerting myself to the best of my ability every Absolutely. single night as hard as i can yeah. because who knows if i'll be in this city again or who might be watching or whatever um and then uh you know you gotta ask some nights you gotta ask for a place to sleep and if you can't find it mm-hmm. i mean we've been lucky we've only had to get one hotel in the last in at least my uh you know, you say lucky, but every now and then a hotel's not so bad because <laughs> yeah. you get to shower and you get yeah, to, you, that it, is nice. It doesn't smell terrible. Right. You're not worrying about you know weird shank guy coming down while you're sleeping. That and... yeah, <laughs> I didn't really think about that. Actually, I do think about the gear a lot though. Like I sleep best nights when we're like out on a reservoir in Massachusetts and okay. there's nothing around. That you makes know? sense. Yeah, those are like the best nights and. But yeah, some nights, man. And it's interesting it's that you, you mentioned. I keep going, but it's interesting that you mentioned. Uh, you know, you giving your your all every night. As a fan, yeah. when you go to a concert, your local municipality or whatever, you see a band, and generally they're most of the time a hundred percent, and you're not thinking, "Wow, I can't believe they do this every day." You're thinking, "Oh, they're doing this for me because I'm here." You know, it's, right? It's, you it's, paid to be there. Yeah. Yeah. What makes you know Cleveland special or Philly or L.A. Mm-hmm. or what is so it's not like that. I mean, you got to literally go out every day. What I don't know, half hour doesn't seem like a lot of time, but every day. Imagine going to the gym and literally putting on all the weights yeah, right. and just like just power yeah. lifting literally every day, yeah. not doing and a then leg sleeping day or, in a car. Yes, exactly. <laughs> not not having your aftershake and rehabilitating and right. massage. I mean, it's full on. Ooh, yeah. Antoine masseuse would be a good idea. Oh my god! If you ever I get really famous that. and successful. I bet they have them. I yeah. bet they're on riders. But oh uh, yeah, jacuzzis yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just... not to be like, I I am like eternally grateful to get the opportunity to be a touring musician. I don't know if I want to do this in my fifties, but 
you know, for the foreseeable future, it's something I'm very grateful to do. And it's interesting you um, say it in your 50s. And it 50s, is hard. Yeah, because it. a lot of these guys that were in these big bands uh, that we enjoy are now 50 and, and older and still doing it, which is crazy. God, because yeah. y- even though they have more of the the luxury than, than say, you know, a DIY tour with, with people our age, um, it's still your body breaks down. And especially right. if you're... You know, we're in a, a, a band where you had a lot of energy. A lot of people right. will mention, you know, when watching, uh, you know, live concert footage or whatever of uh, a Slipknot, for example. Yeah. You know, they're not moving around like they used to. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. It's not like they don't care as much. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, they're just kind of not not really caring anymore and don't really want to do this anymore. They want no, to. They're wearing full they, suits oh, yeah. and like and it, masks. And 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 they want to. The one two's all in their brain, but right. they're they're you know, their bodies can only do so much, so it's right. just a testament to to the older uh, generation for continuing to do that. Yeah, not, absolutely. You know, I don't know if I can say that I would be one of those people. Right. Uh, especially after making all that money and just, you know, let's let's go to Florida oh, and God. retire yeah. and settle down, you know. Yeah. But, that would uh, be the smart thing to do. It would be. <laughs> it know? would be. But music is a drug, and yeah. it is one that is extremely powerful. It is. Um, so very cool. So I appreciate you coming on yeah, uh, with me today. Thanks um, for having me. Uh, Ian Douglas, everybody, that was a wonderful uh, discussion, and I hope we learned a lot. And yeah. uh, next week, we will have Steve Perino on. He is a local studio engineer, former metal guitarist. So we'll talk a little bit of metal, because I know you all have been waiting for that. And uh, as always, I'm out.